You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Love the Drake. You've got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. Welcome to episode zero. That is correct. You are hearing episode zero. So don't freak out and go, oh, no, my iPod or my iPad just did something funny. I went clear back to the beginning. There's a reason why this is a zero episode. It's kind of tying into our zero hour stuff, and I thought it would kind of uh, work really well to kind of segue this, and it's a nice little placeholder to kind of give us a little uh, bit of a breather room. We have, we'll have three episodes that'll be up, and uh, we can kind of enjoy the, the last little bit of our uh, summer that we have here. But welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Of course, you know, this podcast uh, can be found uh, pretty much anywhere through social media, through uh, Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We're on Facebook. Just search, obviously, Everyone Loves the Drake. Uh, we're on Instagram. I'm trying to do so much better over on Instagram. I always forget I have two accounts. You think I would put Everyone Loves the Drake first over mine. And then you can email into the show at uh, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake at yahoo.com. And uh, we're trying to get to be reading all of our comments and uh, people that like and subscribe to us. So we really appreciate that. And then over on the YouTube page, we're getting so close to uh, Terrence being able to officially name uh, the podcast on YouTube. So you don't have these, uh, you know, weird letters. But you can search uh, for the content he's putting up for the Drake over at YouTube. Just search uh, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. And speaking of Terrence, Terrence. Terrence is here with us on uh, the Zero episode. How are you doing uh, this afternoon, Terrence? Pretty good. It's like the Zero Hour um, uh, issues, you know, the old Robin, the Robin of the present met the Robin of the past. So this is like the Rob of the past coming to meet the Rob of the future or or something. I don't know. But somehow there's two Robs and one is from a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What – I had done this, uh, the initial part of this, what Terrence and I are doing is putting uh, the buttons on the front and the end of this episode. The body of this uh, was recorded, I have that written here, December 8th, 2013. So some may be saying, well, Rob, why did you record something and only wait till now? Uh, this was originally done for my YouTube uh, page. I'm going to shamelessly plug it here, Rob's Rogues, that Terrence so kindly brings up uh, every now and then. 
of you and know, re- real review. quick yeah, go ahead. to interrupt you you just posted the um toy uh search video yeah. i loved it i was watching that last night that's a great video <laughs> i love your outrage at all the empty uh <laughs> pin uh or whatever those things are called at, at toys at uh walmart with no dc comics uh toys on it You're like this is an outrage <laughs> i love it how yeah. dare a store have empty pegs and there be no pegs. That's it. I couldn't think of the word pegs, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No funny. DC figures except for two Aquaman figures. And uh, I had a friend of mine go. There was a bunch of wrestling stuff there. I'm like, dude, I'm not there for wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, a little uh, side note. That's like the newest Walmart uh, in that city. It's nice. It's clean. You almost walk in and go. This doesn't feel like a Walmart. And they never have anything. I'm even talking not about you know action figures. I'm even like you go in for milk and they're out of two percent milk. Like whether they can't keep it in stock, or there's just somebody in the back going, oh, "What do we need? Like four four gallons this week?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, when I was, it was right about the time like Terrence. I think you had left the Bat Fans uh, podcast right before I did, so I was in that. I think I was on for like two or three episodes, and I think you and I were talking about, hey, it'd be kind of cool to do a Robin-based podcast, and I said I had a couple ideas, so I think I stayed on uh, Batfans for just a little bit, and then I started putting uh, this podcast uh, idea together, and I was you know running it through Dustin at the TBU, and I thought, well, what would be a, a cool way to kind of get the word out that I'm that I'm doing this show, and I didn't have a way of getting on another podcast at a time that was like, hey, let me talk about this podcast that I'm getting ready to start. But what I did have was a built-in audience over at YouTube. So I thought, well, I'll do a, a zero episode. You know, I, I don't know if I'll put this on the Drake at all, but it'll be a good way to get kind of the news out there to the comic book and action figure subscribers I have on my channel. And uh, what I did was read a Fisher Price book. Um, this is probably one of the one of my most prized and cherished possessions that I have uh, in the house. I got this book on my eighth birthday, and uh, this came out in 1982. And there were a couple other books that came out at this time. But the cool thing was there was a cassette tape that came with it. It was kind of like a read along story type of book did you ever get uh, any type of books like that i think i think i had some star wars records you know every time you hear r2d2 beep you know you turn the page type of thing do you have any of those yeah i had a ton of them i don't have any of them now but i i had a bunch records and cassettes and i think you could even get them at the library too yeah. um and so yeah th- those were a lot of fun as a kid so that's that's what this was and um i always I think one of our previous episodes we were talking about, you know, where how we got into Batman, uh, especially when we were talking about the Adam West, like what came first for me was it the, the chicken or the egg type of scenario. I want to say that I, I'm almost positive I saw the cartoon series first before I saw the '66, but I just remember being captivated as a kid watching the new uh, Adventures of Batman, that I think was voiced by Adam West and uh, Burt Ward. And uh, I would watch it quite a bit, and I would, you know, act it out with the little action figures I had. So my parents, for my eighth birthday, got me this book, and uh, I would read this thing all the time. And I would 
had a cassette tape and it's a voice acted um and it's kind of because it's a kid's book it's kind of over dramatic and you know, everybody kind of talks like this you know all those type of things uh but i was so captivated uh, by the story as a kid so much so that i stopped playing the book and i would read it aloud in all of these wacky and crazy voices as a kid and you know as you kind of read anything kind of like a movie you watch it 50 times you can almost recite it verbatim so what you're going to hear is me read this book in all of the wacky, crazy voices. I haven't like listened to this in many, many, many years, but I showed this to my wife not that long ago, and she said, oh, did you pick this up? I said, no, this is the exact same book I've had since I was eight years old. It's probably the oldest thing uh, that I have, and I, there's some red Kool-Aid that I must have had in my room that I spilled <laughs> on the book, so it's got some red Kool-Aid stains in it, and I remember thinking at one time, I had to replace this book you know, so it, it looks nice and new and everything. And I was talking to my mom about it, and she's like, "If you've had it all this time, she's like, you took this book with you everywhere." She's like, "We could not pry this book out of your hands." And <laughs> you had it on your first date. I had it on my first date. No wonder <laughs> you that took girl. it to the prom. You know, your prom picture. There's you, your date, and well, the let's book. See, I know. took it at the prom. That girl dumped me. My first wedding. That girl and I are no longer together. This book must be awesome they don't get yes. it <laughs> um when but, you die we'll make sure it's in the casket with you clutching it <laughs> yeah the funny thing is as we joke you know everybody has those things where they say you know in case of a fire you know get, get the family photo album and get you know the dog and the cat out of here and i'm also like get the laughing sphinx book <laughs> yeah. out, of, out of the house um i just i love this thing but the cool thing about it was it's it's a heavy robin origin story and I think this book singularly, singularly, if I'm using the words correct, uh, made me the Robin fan that I am. Yes, I'm I'm a Tim Drake fan, but at at the core of me, I just like Robin. Yes, I I like Tim Drake, but I like Damien. I like Carrie Kelly. I like Stephanie Brown, Jason Todd, Dick Grayson. Um, even an alternate version of Duke Thomas is Robin. I just like the idea of Robin, and Robin is that character that grounds Batman and gives him that constant reminder of of who who I'm actually doing this war on crime for and um I it, it, this could have just been a very easy, you know, okay, Fisher Price is going to do this book, we'll just make it a Batman story, but that they incorporate the origin of Dick Grayson and then put it into this really kind of cool story and as cheesy as it can kind of get you kind of look at it and go, yeah, they pretty much hit the character beats on everything. So I'll stop rambling here and gushing uh, over this book. So uh, I do. I want to make one point before people read the book, and then I'll get to my long list of notes I made. <laughs> <laughs> the The cool thing about the book, it kind of illustrates something that I've always been like saying, and that is like so many people think Batman went from Adam West '66 camp right to The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller, mm -hmm. and there's that bridge of stuff like Neil Adams, and, and this is a good book that shows like that bridge, even though it is, it is for kids, you know, this is not The Dark Knight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's not campy 66 either, it's right. got like a, a little bit more of a serious tone, a little more realistic, and, and it's, I think it's a really good way to show how they were, you know, it was a slow, gradual process to... Um, Frank Miller, then a lot of people think, you know, everything was Adam West camp until then. Uh, and the other thing, I've always had this 
soft spot for Jim Aparo. I've always loved Jim Aparo's art. And when I went back and did the Zero episode for the YouTube uh, channel, I was looking at the book and I about fell out of my seat going, Jim Aparo was one of the main artists in this book. And I don't know if that was just embedded into my subconscious as a kid when I first started reading comics. One of the first comics I read was a Jim Aparo drawn uh, Batman Brave and the Bold comic. And I'm like, this Batman just looks so, you know, it, it feels like home to me. And here he was in this, you know, 1982 <laughs> book. So what you're going to hear. I, oh, go ahead. Same, uh, I was going to say same for me because my first book that I read was uh, A Death in the Family, which I believe uh, he was the artist for, wasn't yep. he? Yeah. yeah yep. So, yeah, I bet you a lot of people's first Batman book was Jim Aparo. Yeah. And he draws such a good Robin, too. Uh, he he kind of legitimizes the short shorts and the pixie boots. He doesn't look like the scrawny kid. He looks looks maybe a little bit older, but I thought Robin just looked cool. So, Quick question well, for yeah. you before I get in here to interrupt you here. Uh, you mentioned you would listen to this and then play along with your toys. And one of the reasons why I love the uh, Batman Lego movie so much is when all of the different worlds interact. Oh, and you've yeah. Got- Batman fighting Voldemort and all these things. And it reminded me when I was a kid because, you know, with my toys, you know, Batman went on many missions with Han Solo and He-Man <laughs> to rescue, you know, Princess Leia from Cobra and Skeletor and, you know, like the G.I. Joe and all those. They all mixed together. Like we all just played them together. Mm-hmm. Were you a kid who just played them all together and Luke was out with Robin and R2-D2 or were you like, no, 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 the Batman are here, the the Star Wars are here, were you very compartmentalized? I think I was more compartmentalized, I think, like, no, <laughs> yeah. this is Gotham City and this is the Death Star. We we can't cross the two over, but my, yeah. my cousin, when he would come over, he would bring, like, Mean Gene Holcomb. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Randy Macho Man Savage, and I'm like, well, we're we're playing superheroes today. But he's like, I also got Star Wars. Like Star Wars was the end for me. You mentioned you brought your Star Wars figures over. We were going to kind of forget everything else. So when he came over, worlds collided. I didn't know what an Else World was, but that was my action figure Else World. When he would go home, I was like, okay, now we're going back to Gotham City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the other cool thing about doing it on the podcast, when I put it up on the YouTube channel, it was just me straight reading it. There was no music score underneath of it because um, YouTube will flag like, hey, you're using copyrighted music. Even though we're using it here, I always say, hey, you know, all copyrights go back to the copyright holders. But for the podcast, you can kind of stretch that a little bit. So you're going to hear a lot of familiar uh, Batman-themed music from uh, – the, all the movies, including the Lego movies in there at a little uh, Robin spot, I think will make sense if you can pick it out. Uh, some Arkham games are in there. Uh, BVS uh, score is in there. It's a couple different places. So we'll see how this experiment works. This is either going to be a very interesting podcast or we're going to have a lot of listeners go, wow, that was a self-indulgent podcast. So put your mind <laughs> <laughs> back in 82 if you were alive that long or just to know when you were eight years old, what this book might have done for you, if you remember that thing when you were a kid and go, oh, I love this thing. This is that thing that I loved as a kid. So thanks, Terrence, for letting me indulge myself here. So without further ado, here is Rob reading Batman and Robin, the teen wonder in the case of the Laughing Sphinx. And you will hear the original audio intro and the audio outro so you can hear what Batman and Robin sound like at the very end. So until then, it's just me. We'll see you on the other side. 
story by Andrew Helfer, illustrated by Ross, Andrew, Jim Aparo, Joe Orlando, and Tatiana Wood. Batman and Robin in the case of The Laughing Snakes. Full moon hung silently in the late night sky as a cool breeze swept through the grounds of the Gotham City Circus. The last show was over. All the members of the circus were asleep. Even the animals rested peacefully. It had been a hard day for both man and beast, and all needed a good night's rest. But inside a tent, a light still glowed brightly. Its occupant could not sleep. All he could do was sit and think and stare at the newspaper headlines. Inside the tent, young Dick Grayson, a member of the acrobatic family called the Flying Graysons, knew his circus career was at an end. Earlier that day, there had been a mysterious accident. In the middle of their acts, Dick's parents had fallen from the trapeze and suddenly, Dick was an orphan. Now he needed time to think what he should do. At first, Dick did not hear the strange sounds coming from outside the tent. But when the lions began to roar angrily, he was startled. He turned to listen. There was a hissing noise, like the sound of air being let out of a balloon. Then other animals began howling and growling. Cautiously, Dick stood up and peered through the flap of his tent. There were four men wearing gas masks. They had tanks strapped to their backs, and they were spraying the animals with some kind of gas. The masks made their voices hard to hear, so Dick had to listen closely. What he heard shocked him. When we finish spraying the animals with this gas, the only thing they'll do is showtime tomorrow is sleep. Yeah, after that trapeze accident and this stunt, the circus owner will give us anything we want. The more the young acrobat heard, the angrier he became. These men were responsible for his parents' accident. They were criminals, and they had to be brought to justice. Dick fiercely darted out of the tent, surprising the sinister gang. Before they could stop him, Dick kicked one of the criminals to the ground. His years of training on the trapeze had made Dick strong and quick, and now he was foiling the gang's scheme. You rats! You can't go around hurting people and animals! He shouted at the gang, but the odds were against Dick. It was four against one, and the young acrobat needed help. Suddenly... Out of the darkness swooped the Batman. The crooks were gripped with fear as the dynamic defender of the night descended upon them. Dick could see the anger blazing in the Cape Crusader's eyes and was thankful for his mysterious appearance. It's time to stop you criminals once and for all. Batman, let's get out of here. Wow, Batman, am I glad you showed up. Four against one are bad odds in anyone's book. But I think this will help even things up a bit, as Batman said as he landed a knockout punch to the leader's jaw. Go get him, Batman, shouted the courageous Dick Grayson. Without pause, Batman whipped his batarang around a criminal, causing him to slam into one of his partners in crime. I finally got the goods on you, gentlemen, and you'll all be doing time in prison where you belong, Batman said. Dick watched the Batman with admiration. The costume hero was as graceful as the Flying Graysons, but the Batman was not there to entertain. He was fighting for justice. Dick noticed one of the members of the gang sneaking up behind Batman. 
and with the grace of a gazelle, Dick jumped and somersaulted over Batman's shoulders right into the criminal's chest. Batman was amazed. He did not expect a mere boy to be capable of performing such a feat. A few minutes later, the police arrived to arrest the four defeated criminals. Batman spoke to Dick, whose head was still spinning from all the excitement. Son, I've been tracking down this gang for a long time. They were wrecking circuses all over the country. When I heard about the trapeze accident last night, I knew this gang was responsible. I'm sorry I arrived too late to save your parents. But I wouldn't have been able to round up these criminals at all without your help. The animals will rest all day tomorrow, but they'll be all right. What about you, Dick? What are your plans now? Despite his grief, Dick could hardly conceal the excitement in his voice. I wanted justice, Batman, and thanks to you, I got it. But now, I'm all alone in the world. My parents are gone. Seeing you tonight makes me want to spend the rest of my life fighting crime. Please, Batman, can I help you? All right, son, Batman replied. You deserve a chance after what you did tonight. I warn you, fighting crime is hard work, and you might not be cut out for it, but you'll have to decide that for yourself. Let's go! Within moments, the Batman and Dick Grayson were riding along the outskirts of Gotham City in the turbo-powered Batmobile. The cool night air swept by them. Batman told Dick why he became a master crime fighter. You know, Dick, the Batman said, I was an orphan too. Criminals were responsible for the death of my parents when I was just a boy. I swore then to devote my life to battling criminals wherever they may be. That's why I'm giving you this opportunity. I won't disappoint you, Batman, Dick answered. Later, the two arrived at the Batcave, Batman's secret headquarters. All around them were the prizes and trophies he had gathered from years of crime fighting. It's like a museum, Dick said, fascinated by the amazing collection. At this, Batman simply smiled and said, You'll have a better chance to look at everything in the Batcave a little later. Right now and for the next few weeks, you'll be training physically and mentally for the life you've chosen. Let's get started. True to Batman's words, the next few weeks were painful and exhausting for young Dick Grayson, but they were also wonderful. Dick fought off his fatigue to do all the exercises Batman was teaching him, and he accomplished them well. The Batman, in his civilian identity of wealthy playboy Bruce Wayne, spent many hours training the young acrobat for the challenges Dick would face as a crime fighter. Gee, Bruce, we've already run five miles. Can't we take a rest? Just one more mile to go, Dick. Then we'll see how well you do on the parallel bars. As the weeks passed, Dick could feel his body getting stronger and stronger. Each day, he discovered muscles he never knew he had. Soon he could lift heavy sets of weights high over his head, where before he struggled simply just getting them a few inches off the floor. While Dick's body became stronger and faster, his brain became sharper. His eyes were able to follow the lightning-fast movements of the punching bag. In every respect, he was ready to work with his teacher in the war against crime. Dick knew the time had come. At the end of the training session, Batman told him, now Gotham City will get its first look at its new young crime fighter. That night, Dick sat reading a magazine in the library of Wayne Manor. The article was so interesting that Dick did not hear Bruce Wayne enter the cozy room. Bruce held a costume in his hand. I think that you are ready to wear this costume, Bruce said. The only thing you need to decide is what name you will use in your crime fighting career. 
Dick walked over to a shelf and pulled out a book about Robin Hood, a brave man who fought injustice long ago. Ever since I was a little kid, Robin Hood has been my favorite hero, Dick said, so I think I'll call myself Robin. I think that's a good choice, Bruce said. Now it's time to try on your costume. Moments later, Dick returned to the room. In the shadowy light, Dick hardly looked like a young boy anymore. Instead, he seemed tall, strong, and ready for action. After all these years of fighting crime by himself, the Batman had a partner. And with Robin the Boy Wonder by his side, Gotham City would be a safer place to live. Days later, Bruce and Dick sat in the library when Alfred the Butler walked in. Alfred was the only one who knew that Bruce Wayne and Dick were also the Batman and Robin. Excuse me, says, Alfred said. The bat signal is shining in the sky. You must be wanted at police headquarters. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Coming batteries to power. In almost no time, the Batman and Robin arrived at Gotham City Police Headquarters. Commissioner Gordon was at the top of the stairs waiting for them. What seems to be the problem, Batman said as he raced up the stairs. There's been a kidnapping, Batman, and frankly, I don't know what to do about it, Commissioner Gordon answered. He looked worried. Uh, Come on inside, I'll show you what information we have. Inside Commissioner Gordon's office, a machine projected an image of an odd-looking man onto a screen. This is Frederick Smythe, Gordon explained. He's a world-famous archaeologist. He's the man who was kidnapped. Smythe just made the greatest discovery of his career while in Egypt last month. He found this. The Laughing Sphinx, Gordon said solemnly. And it is also missing. Hidden inside the Sphinx are three golden eggs. It's rumored that inside these eggs are the pieces of a map that will lead the owner to the greatest treasure ever imagined. Batman, you must find Smythe and the Sphinx before these eggs are smashed open and this greatest archaeological treasure is destroyed. Have you got any clues? The Batman asked. Only this. It was received in the mail this morning. Batman read the clue. You can't be an egghead to win at this game where questions mean prizes and answers mean fame. He thought for a moment. All right, Commissioner, we'll get on it right away. Robin, let's get back to the Bat Cave and feed this clue into the Bat Computer. As the dynamic duo rode through Gotham streets, the Batman was silent for a long time. Then he said to Robin, I've got a hunch this may be the toughest case we've ever faced. When the Cape Crusaders arrived at the Bat Cave, Batman headed straight to the gigantic Bat Computer. Robin watched with interest as the Dark Knight detective sat down at the keyboard to type his questions into the talking computer. I'm going to ask it which of our enemies could be responsible for this crime, and the machine ought to be able to tell us the name of the villain we should track down, Batman exclaimed to the boy wonder. In a few seconds, we should have our answer. The back computer clicked and whirled. Lights blinked on and off, and suddenly it spoke. There are four possible suspects in this case, the computer said in a cold, mechanical voice. Four? Robin said surprised. 
Quiet, Robin, Batman said sternly. Computer, continue transmission. Suspect number one, the Penguin, also known as Oswald Chesterfield Copplepot. The Penguin uses umbrellas in his crime. He is known for crimes involving birds. Since this case involves the theft of a sphinx containing three eggs, he may be our culprit. Suspect number two is the Joker, also known as the Clown Prince of Crime. This insane villain steals things that are, are funny or humorous or comic nature. Since the stolen item is called the Laughing Sphinx, the Joker may be responsible for the crime. Suspect number three, the Catwoman, alias Selina Kyle, Jew thief, cat burglar. Her crimes usually involve cats both big and small. Since the Laughing Sphinx is half cat, half human, the Catwoman may be the guilty party. Suspect number four, the Riddler, alias Edward Enigma. The Riddler's main characteristics is uncontrollable need to outsmart the Batman by using perplexing clues. Since the clue received by Commissioner Gordon is in fact a riddle, the Riddler may be involved. However, this computer can offer no answer to the riddle itself. End transmission. The computer clicked off. Four suspects? Wow, what do we do now, Batman? Track down our first suspect, of course, Batman replied. To the Iceberg Ice Cube Factory, Robin, in search of our fine feathered fiend, the Penguin. The Icebird Ice Cube Factory, that looks more like a fortress than an ice cube plant, Robin said as he pointed to the dark building which stood on the outskirts of Gotham City like a mysterious castle. I've heard this place is the Penguin's hideout, the Batman said. It's filled with all types of booby traps to stop trespassers. We've got to be careful, Robin. The Penguin may be waiting for us. Once inside the icy warehouse, the dynamic duo used their bat flashlights to find their way through the cold darkness. They searched through every inch of the frigid fortress, but found no trace of the penguin. Just as they were about to give up, Robin spotted something. Batman! Through the trap door! I see a light down there! Good work, Robin! Batman said as they both jumped through the hatch. Look! Robin shouted as they landed. An umbrella! That means the penguin must be around here somewhere! But before we go looking for him, let's investigate this clue, Batman said calmly. When they walked through the lit doorway, Batman and Robin found themselves in a huge freezer room. Behind the umbrella, left by the penguin, stood a huge mountain of perilously stacked ice cubes. Careful, Robin, the Batman whispered. The slightest noise might send those ice cubes toppling down on us. Without saying a word, Robin pointed to the umbrella lying in front of the ice cube mountain. Batman knelt down and read the note pinned on the umbrella. I don't know you or what you do, but I'll find out when the game is through. Another riddle, Batman whispered, and it looks like the penguin has flown the coop. We'd better track down our next suspect. At that very moment, the dynamic duo were startled by the sudden appearance of none other than the penguin. The foul fiend stood at the freezer door, cackling hysterically. Wah, wah, wah. Looking for a laughing sphinx, eh, Batman? Well, you've come to the wrong place. The only thing you'll find here is a rather icy reception. Wah, wah, wah. With surprising speed, the penguin turned to make his getaway. 
Batman! He's getting away! Stop him, Robin. <laughs> Sorry, Dynamic Dubs, but I'll have to give you the cold shoulder. <laughs> Robin, the sound of that door slamming. It's loud enough to make the Ice Cube Mountain. Batman's words were cut off by a rumbling sound as the ice cubes began to crash all about the daring crime fighters. Batman! The penguin started an avalanche! We'll, we'll be buried alive! Robin shouted above the thunderous noise of the falling cubes of ice. If they were going to escape the penguin's frosty fit, Batman would have to think fast. Robin, this pipe, its freezing liquid may be our only hope. With astonishing speed, the cake crusader kicked loose one of the pipes lining the freezer wall, letting out a spray of ice-cold liquid nitrogen. Then, using his insulated gloves, he bent the pipe upward to face the falling cubes. The ice actually froze in midair as the liquid nitrogen stopped the deadly cubes in their tracks. We've got to hurry before we're put on ice permanently. Soon, Batman and Robin were protected from the freezing avalanche by an umbrella of ice. This gave Batman a chance to get to a small charge of plastic explosives that he kept stored in one of the many compartments of his utility belt. Cover your face, Robin. This door is ready to blow. Explosive charge ripped the thick metal door off its hinges. When the smoke cleared, the Batman and Robin stood among the wreckage, ready for action. Come on, Batman! We've got to catch the penguin! Wait, Robin. The penguin's long gone by now. He flew off, thinking we were finished. Right now, we should head to Gotham City Amusement Park. I've got a feeling the Joker is up to no good there. The park should be crowded tonight. We'll need our whirly bats to see what's going on. Flying high over the park, the dynamic duo noticed nothing unusual until Robin spotted a mob of people running in fear from a tunnel of love. Something's up, Robin shouted to Batman. People don't run out of the tunnel of love unless there's something terribly wrong inside. Let's go down and investigate. We'd better find the cause of that panic, chum. When the whirly bats landed, the Cape Crusaders leaped aboard one of the boats floating through the tunnel of love. As the two crime fighters drifted into the ominous cavern, they could only see a dim light coming from far inside. The boy wondered shivered, but quickly overcame his fear and rode with the Batman down the peaceful stream that led to almost certain danger. Inside the tunnel, the masked detective saw what caused all the fun lovers to flee the peaceful amusement park ride in such a panic. Along the walls of the tunnel, someone had placed lifelike statues of creatures horrible enough to frighten even the bravest adventurer, Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman and the Mummy were all leaning menacingly over the small boat as the Batman and Robin floated through the tunnel. It was a nightmare, but this couldn't be real, Robin thought. Then suddenly, one of the monsters moved. Batman! Those monsters! They... they're alive! Robin shouted his warning to the Batman just as the monsters jumped into the boat. Each monster had a look of hate in his eyes. All of them wanted to destroy the dynamic duo. Batman! We're sitting ducks! Not if we fight back, Robin. It's six against two, but remember, they're only human. That takes care of two of them, Robin. We're doing just fine. Tackling this mummy isn't easy, but I'll have him tied up in a second. I hope you know how to swim. You reject from a horror show. Save the jokey for later, Robin. This is serious business. This is no joke, Batman. That mummy short-circuited when he hit the water. These monsters aren't human, they're robots. And I think I know how to stop them. Just push them in the water. Within moments, all that was left of the monsters were sputtering ripples in the calm water. The dark tunnel was brightly lit by the sparks of the beaten robots. This type of sick humor has to be the Joker's work. 
Batman said. From the corner of his eye, Robin spotted a thin figure heading towards the exit. I think you're right, Batman, Robin said. And there he goes! Let's get him! Batman and Robin raced out of the tunnel, but it was already too late. By the time the two crime fighters had got to the exit, the Joker was gone. But he left a clue. Robin spotted it first. Look! Floating in the water! It's a giant Joker playing card! I'll fish it out! Maybe it can give us a lead in this case! On the other side of the card was yet another mysterious riddle. Robin read it aloud to Batman. The man you seek is both here and there, for on this night, he'll be on the air. The Cape Crusader thought for a long moment after hearing the latest clue. Hmm, he finally said. We're getting closer to the solution. I can feel it. But we still need more answers. Suddenly, Batman realized what he had to do next. Come on, Robin, to the Batmobile. We're going to visit the Gotham City Zoo to pay the Catwoman a visit. At the Gotham City Zoo, all was silent except for the footsteps of the dynamic duo as they ran towards the lion house. When they arrived there, they found the outside of the cage empty. The lions were probably inside sleeping, Robin thought, but the door to the outside cage was open. Inside the cage was a lion tamer's chair and a bullwhip. On the chair was a large sheet of paper with a riddle written in a now familiar handwriting. Batman and Robin walked inside the cage to inspect the clue. Robin read it aloud. To find what's causing your grief, turn on the tube and get some relief? What does this mean, Batman? Robin asked. Just a moment, Robin. All the clues are starting to fit into place. Let me see. As the dynamic duo thought about their latest clue, they did not notice the Catwoman sneaking up behind them. She quickly grabbed the cage door and slammed it shut with a loud clang. The Batman and Robin were caught totally by surprise. Ah, this is perfect. Catwoman gloated. The famous Batman and Robin, behind bars at last. Batman pulled and tugged at the cage bars, but they would not budge. He and the Boy Wonder were trapped. I've got a little friend of mine waiting on the other side of those bars behind you. Catwoman purred. I'm afraid he missed his supper last night, so you can imagine how much he's dying to meet you. Or is that eat you two. I do hope you all get to know each other very well. Ta-ta, dynamic dumbos. The Catwoman said as she crept back into the darkness. Slowly the cage door behind the dynamic duo opened, and then out of the darkness jumped a gigantic ferocious lion, eyes ablaze, fangs and claws exposed. The hungry king of the jungle sprang at the startled Batman. Never before had the dark knight detective faced such a savage opponent. The Batman was stunned, and although he tried to move out of the lion's path, the starving beast was too fast. In seconds, it was upon him, scratching and clawing at the Batman's costume. Robin, I'm pinned down. Can't move. Can't get to my utility belt. Hang on, Batman. I'll get the situation under control. Like an experienced trainer, Robin grabbed the whip and began cracking it behind the lion. Then he gently pushed the chair against the lion's back. Angered by this interruption, the lion turned to battle the brave boy wonder, leaving the Batman behind. Freed his hand once again, Batman reached into his utility belt and tossed a sleeping gas capsule at the ferocious lion, just as it was about to pounce upon the boy wonder. Immediately, the big cat fell into a deep, peaceful sleep. Robin cautiously stepped over the sleeping beast to aid the Batman as he picked the lock on the other side of the now quiet cage. Thanks, Robin, Batman said. You saved my life. 
No problem, Batman, Robin answered, smiling. If you hadn't used that gas capsule when you did, I might have turned out to be dessert for our slumbering friend here. Once outside the cage, Batman returned to the task of fitting all the different clues together. The first clue mentioned a game, one that awarded prizes and fame for correct responses. The clue at the Ice Cube Factory said that one player doesn't know the other player's identity until the game is over. The Joker's clue said that the man we were looking for would be on the air tonight, which means television or radio. But the last clue mentioned tube, which means TV. So when you put all the clues together, they tell us that Frederick Smythe is going to be on a TV game show tonight. Robin snapped his fingers. He knew the answer. And the only TV game show where contestants are trying to figure out people's occupations is, what's my job? Quick, Batman, to the television studio. As the Batmobile raced towards Gotham City television studio, Robin switched on the TV monitor built into the fantastic car's dashboard. What's my job? It was just beginning. The announcer was introducing the show in a tone. Robin listened closely to the voice. From Gotham City, it's time for What's My Job, the weekly game show that asks the question, what do you do for a living? And now, here's the host of our show, Edward Nigma. Batman, Robin shouted, heartily able to believe his ears. Edward Nigma isn't the host of What's My Job. Edward Nigma is... Yes, I know, Robin. Nigma is the Riddler. He's probably holding the entire staff to that television station hostage so we can pull off this crazy stuff. Keep on listening, Robin. We've got to find out what his plan is. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Edward Nigma, your extra special host for this edition of What's My Job? Tonight we have a very special guest. Hidden among our four contestants is Frederick Smythe, the world-famous missing archaeologist. Is he hidden underneath the mask of Horus, the Egyptian hawk god? Or Babasti is the cat? Or Anubis the jackal? Or perhaps Amino the ram? Well, whichever it is, we'll find out, and when we do, Mr. Smythe watches crack open the three golden eggs of his laughing speaks to show the nationwide audience what treasures lay within. <laughs> To help us determine which of our guests is really Mr. Smythe, we've called upon the distinguished staff of McDulty's Pool Hall of Gymnasium to assist us in our investigation. Gentlemen, you may begin your questioning. It's time to play What's My Job? <laughs> Robin stared, open mouth at the small television screen. Batman, that guy's really nuts, he said. I'm not so sure, Robin, Batman answered. I fought the Riddler before. He may be a little off the wall, but this kind of display seems more like the Joker style. There's more here than meets the eye. The Batman paused a moment, then added, Turn off the set, Robin. I have a plan. Only if we could get there in time. Twenty minutes later, what's my job is reaching its climax. We're contestants, Enigma cackled. You managed to step our panel of, er, uh, experts. So, what else can we say except, it's time to unmask? At this cue, the contestants lifted off their masks to reveal themselves as the Penguin, the Catwoman, and the Joker. Frederick Smythe, the fourth contestant, was tied up and gagged, so one of the panelists got up and pulled off his mask. The audience was stunned by the appearance of the villains. And now, Enigma continued, since everyone else has revealed himself, 
I guess our television audience won't be too upset if the favorite game show host turns out to be none other than the Riddler. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the highlight of our show. Let's crack open the eggs of the Laughing Sphinx! The studio audience was horrified, shocked. They sat glued to their seats, but each viewer hoped that someone or something would put an end to the villain's evil plan. Meanwhile, the villains gloated as they prepared to smash the eggs. Ah, I must admit, Joker, old buddy, your suggestion that we team up was superb. Yes, Joker, but why do we have to go through all this TV stuff? What difference does it make to you? I enjoy a little media coverage every now and then. <laughs> as if in answer to the audience's silent prayers, the dynamic duo suddenly swept into view. Now the four newly teamed villains were shocked and could only stare up in disbelief as the Cape Crusaders were thwarting their evil scheme. I thought you got rid of them, said the Joker. Ah, and I thought you did, answered the Penguin. I thought I finished them off, said the Catwoman. What does it matter, groaned the Riddler. We're all done for. The audience shouted with glee as Robin smoothly swept by the four arguing villains, plucking up the Sphinx and its eggs. Sorry, I gotta run, fellas, he shouted down at the flabbergasted villains, but I've gotta take my Sphinx for a walk. Meanwhile, near the ceiling of the television studio, Batman was playing the final downfall of the evil team. Seconds after the boy wonder made his television debut, Batman cut loose the final cable holding up the huge What's My Job sign. With a tremendous thud, the sign crashed down around the villainous crew. The audience went wild. Give him one for me! Clever those crooks! Knock their blocks off! Soon the entire audience was shouting, Batman! 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 As Batman swung down to the stage on his bat rope, the audience rose and gave him a standing ovation. Then Robin returned to toss a final batarang around the four beaten evildoers. Batman smiled and waved at the cheering crowd. He was not used to being a television star, but he accepted the audience's cheers and applause graciously. Is everything okay? He whispered to Robin. Everything's fine, Batman! Robin answered grinning. I untied Smythe. He led me to the rest of the crew. They were locked up backstage. The Sphinx is in safe hands once again. This is the last time I listen to one of your crazy team-up ideas, Joker. <laughs> that goes double for me. <laughs> After the show was over, Commissioner Gordon arrived with the police to take away the four criminals. Gordon was anxious to congratulate the Cape Crusaders. I got to the studio as soon as I could, but it looks like you fellas beat me to the punch. You might say that, Robin answered. Well, Gordon answered, it was a great show, Dynamic Duo. I saw it all on TV with millions of other viewers. Gotham City will sleep safely tonight because of you two. Whew, Robin said. What a job. It's all in a night's work, Batman answered. You know, we did three things tonight, Robin. We rescued Frederick Smythe and we saved the Laughing Sphinx from the clutches of four of our deadliest foe. What's the third thing, Robin asked. Well, Batman answered, a grin appearing on his face. We probably made What's My Job the most popular game show in television history. Oh, brother, Robin groaned. Let's go home, Batman. Robin, you just read my mind.
right, everyone. That was the uh, self-indulgent theater of Rob Myers. <laughs> so uh, Terrence said he's got a list of uh, things. That's probably going to be a book he's going to read a critique. Okay, Rob, on the first page. Uh, <laughs> yes. So you mispronounced these words. No. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, as I was listening back to it, I can hear myself stutter a little bit. I'll go in and edit it, and I, I'll flip words when I read every now and then. So when I was reading along with it, I was like, oh, I, I flipped that sentence around. Or I flipped that word, but. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Terrence, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> first of all, it's pronounced Batman, not Batman. No, no. Um, <laughs> actually, when you first mentioned this, uh, I hadn't seen it on YouTube, um, and I was unfamiliar with this book. I, I don't know how I, I didn't ever cross paths with it, but uh, I thought it would be funny to like get on here and goof on you a little bit. But I actually thought you did really well. I don't, there wasn't really much to goof on with you. I, I was like at, at some points when I was listening to it, what I did was actually I, I listened because you sent me the audio file. Mm-hmm. So I listened to it, but then I went on YouTube and there's a, a bunch of um, – YouTube videos from other people that have this book and some of them are people reading it and some of it is the original cassette mm-hmm. um, recording. So I muted the YouTube channel and watched it while you were reading it so I could see the visuals with the um, the with your audio. And I, it was really good. The only one that really cracked me up is uh, when you were doing the voice of the uh, the gangsters and you said – I think you said trampoline or something. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> Trapeze. Now that was a trapeze. You're like the trapeze, and I was just, I was just dying laughing. But my my first note is, and and this might be picking it apart, but this happens a lot in the Batman comics and the the Dick Grayson origin story. Why do robbers think the circus is a great place to rob? Like of all the things, like, should we should we rob the diamond? You know, the diamond distributors, the 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 bank, the the mansions. No, the circus. That's where the big money's at. Just, Yo, man, you don't know how much cotton candy they sell. They sell tons. They got lots of money. <laughs> they got clown money. And then. I, some of my my points here are visual, so if you've just listened to this, I really apologize. I'll try to describe it a little bit if you haven't seen it. And I, I will do uh, – I will put a link if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, it'll be in the description so you can click the YouTube – a YouTube link. So if you can't find all the pages, at least you can go see the video and hear the original audio. So I will include that so you can kind of follow along. So uh, my first note was I love this Batmobile. In it, and if you haven't seen it, it's kind of like a a uh, version of the Adam West '66 Batmobile, just blue. And I think that's due to uh, you know like copyright issues with this this TV show and yeah. uh, all that stuff. But this what? was very common in toys and stuff. And I think my first Batmobile, which I remember, I got the day my brother was born. My brother's uh, two years and nine months older than me. I mean, so I was two years and nine months and. <laughs> Back then, kids weren't allowed to go to the hospital to see their – you know, you just waited at home. Yep. And so when they brought my brother home from the hospital, I, I don't know if they got it at the hospital gift shop or stopped at a Toys R Us, but they brought me this Batmobile. And like in, in the Super 8 home movies we have with no sound, you see everyone's fussing about the, <laughs> the new little baby, and I'm just over in the corner playing with the Batmobile the whole time. <laughs> I'm more excited I got a Batmobile than a brother. Sorry, Steven. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, yeah – uh, you were going to say something about this Batmobile? Yeah, I think this Batmobile is loosely based or maybe became the Superpowers, Super Friends Batmobile. It's close to that, but I ha- I have the Super Friends uh, Batmobile, and it's pretty darn close. So I think you're right. I think it is part of like the 66, like, well, we couldn't use it because of copyright. But 
I think uh, once uh, Kenner got a hold of a license for superpowers, I think they looked directly at this Batmobile, excuse me, since they couldn't use 66. So sorry to mean to take that from you. Yeah. No, and then uh, my my next note, uh, note 17B here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny because, like, um, so they, they have the clues of the Sphinx, and they're like, all right, well, let's just type it in the back computer. And the back computer is just like, here are the four suspects. I was like, oh, that's great detective work. Like, yeah, what a stretch. <laughs> and uh, where we are in the podcast thing, we're getting ready to start Prodigal. And um, so I'm rereading Prodigal, which you know I absolutely love, but I haven't read it in like 20 years. So you always wonder, is it going to hold up? And somewhere around, uh, I think it's issue two or three of Prodigal, they, uh, <laughs> Dick Grayson as Batman, they, they get some kind of clue and they're like, all right, well, let's see who this is. And they just like type it in the bat computer and the bat computer pops up the ventriloquist. And I'm like, this here, I, I hold Prodigal up so high and they do the exact same thing. Just like, eh, just type it in the bat computer. The world's um, greatest detective with a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how you did the bat computer voice. What you, I, at first I thought you, it was your wife, but what was it you did? You were telling me you did. Um, what I had done, I <laughs> I plugged my nose, squeezed it, and then tried to talk kind of as high as I could. And then I, <laughs> I ran it through the computer and I pitched it up another notch. And I ran there's like a an AM FM modulator where you get that kind of like uh, garbly, you know, like the radio station is not quite tuned in sound that i've got underneath it so that's that's all me <laughs> that, that was cool um yeah i like dick grayson's origin in it and then there's the the one scene where they have like a workout and <laughs> they've got like their sweatsuits on and stuff uh that would have been a perfect 80s montage in a, if this was a movie that would have been the perfect 80s montage with um the best around from Karate Kid playing as they're doing push-ups and jumping jacks. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny. Did you see X-Men First Class? Yes. They have a workout montage. I remember watching that movie, not really liking it, and thinking, like, I, I had that thought, like, oh, I hope they don't do a cheesy 80s montage workout. And they do it. <laughs> um, but um, we need to get some of those uh, workout suits for you, me, and Ryan for when we podcast. I think that would be good. <laughs> Well, just because Ryan's not here, he's going to have to wear the yellow tank top and red shorts uh, with yeah. the high socks. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so this is another visual, but if, if you haven't, find this on YouTube because the archaeologist Frederick Smite, yeah. um, they even say in the text, an odd looking man, but does he not look like Alfred E. Newman from Mad he, Magazine to he you? He does. He does. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I, I like how they. Um, uh, it's the iceberg ice cube factory instead of the iceberg lounge. Yeah. Do you know, in 82, had they had done the iceberg lounge yet? Or was that because I, I feel like this predates the iceberg lounge? I think it does. And I, I want to say the iceberg lounge might be as old as like 2000 or something yeah. like that. I think it's more of a modern thing than it is old because uh, I. I think I can remember, I am hoping I'm remembering this right, that a lot of Penguin's things, because Mr. Freeze wasn't really as popular, so if all his stuff was really like ice-based or a bird museum or something of those nature. So I think Yevis predates the, uh, definitely predates the uh, Iceberg Lounge. For some reason, I feel like the Iceberg Lounge was in the animated series, but I'm not sure. I can't you know think what? of it. That, that would have right. been, but even that would have been 90s. That would have been a full decade before this. But. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, when they they uh, interact with the Joker, 
they go to the tunnel of love. Do you think that's the same tunnel of love from the Dark Knight <laughs> Returns with Frank Miller? Now, I know you haven't read it, but you've seen the, the animated movie, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I remember in the Tunnel of Love, I was like, I wonder if that's – maybe that's where Frank Miller got the idea from. Well, that's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because you know, about four years ago when I did this for the YouTube channel, I made mention of that in kind of like my little uh, rememberings of the story that this predates the uh, Frank Miller version. I'm like, did Frank Miller have kids? And if he did, did he buy them the Laughing Sphinx? And he's like, you know, this Tunnel of Love, I think I'm going to put <laughs> yeah. that in where the Joker kills himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would make this kid's book even better. Lots of dead Boy Scouts and <laughs> Joker suicide. Right. Uh, the um, uh, I like, though, too, like how with the, the Riddler's clues, like they just assume that the dynamic duo will get out and go to the next one. Like they just assume it'll fail. Like what if the icebergs had crushed them and killed them? Like where, what then? Like, all right, we'll set up this trap and we know they'll get out of it and we'll go, no, they'll go to the next one. And then um, the only thing I wanted – uh, to kind of finish it up, the I could see how like from reading books to to my kids and um, reading books as a little kid, I could just see how this would like a little kid would just eat this up, just going from one thing to the next, and you know those like jumps in logic. You know, kids don't think of that; they're just like, "Holy cow, there's a lion! Oh my god!" I you know, Batman broke the pipe. This is so cool. Um, and I did see, and I noticed the cassette tape. Um, did Andrew, did you say Andrew Heffler wrote this? Because he does some of the voices too yes. in the cassette. And then it, it was weird too at the, the credits, uh, on that credit page, it does say like ice cubes provided by like iceberg. That, yeah. Did you see that? That's kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. And the other one that I thought was funny, it was the Fisher Price Symphony Orchestra, uh, <laughs> yeah. is listed in here, which the, the intro to it, uh, which you'll hear just a little bit of at the beginning. Well, you heard rather, um, I've heard in a brawny paper towel. I don't, I want to figure out what that piece of music is. I think all this music in here is like free domain music. Cause I've heard bits and pieces of it, you know, growing up over the last, you know, 30 some odd years and go, Hey, that's from the, you know, laughing Sphinx book. I started thinking, Oh, wait a minute. I think the laughing Sphinx used some of that, but Probably in the last four or five months, I've heard the a brawny paper towel commercial with the opening to this. So I think I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I'll have to check. I, <laughs> I remember seeing in the credits it said, uh, uh, I think, like, music of Stradivarius and um, Wagner. And yeah. I was like, wow, that, that was pretty good. They got them since they're very popular and they've been dead for a couple hundred years. But <laughs> right. then I realized, like, oh, they probably just use public domain music by them. So I don't know, maybe a, a YouTube search of, like, if you look on that last page, the different composers might pop up. Yeah. And Although I think I think there's an app. I think it might be on the iPhone. I think I don't know where you can play a piece of music and, say, and it'll tell this? you what say it'll tell you what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll have to do that. Um, and the other thing that uh, this is tied to, there there were two, uh, three other books, rather. Uh, I'm trying to pull that information up really quick. Uh, so there's Batman and Robin. There was Superman uh, Night uh, from Krypton to Metropolis. There was a Wonder Woman book, uh, Cheetah on the Prowl. And then a Justice League book, The Lunar Invaders. I never saw any of the other of those books, but it's a lot of the same voice actors um, reappear, and half of them are cast from the Muppets. Oh, really? Uh, Muppets and um, from Sesame Street. So a lot of the voices, like Oscar the Grouch, uh, the guy that played him, is one of the voices, um, and different, you know, just uh, like the humans 
some of them lend their voices to this as well. So Fisher Price and a lot of my childhood stuff is all kind of interconnected. Uh, all that was missing from this was a uh, uh, Mister Rogers doing the narrating. <laughs> it would have been like yeah. my childhood encapsulated. I'll have to next podcast. I'll be reading my favorite go dog go. And, uh, actually one of my favorites was like, I had an Oscar the grouch book. That was like my favorite. It's just him telling you to go away the whole book. He's just like, get out of here, go away. I'm getting, out of here. I don't know. I loved Oscar the grouch. Cause he was just so grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured this was going to be a, a shorter episode. So this will give us, uh, now three, uh, episodes to kind of rest on as I have to edit uh, a couple. But like Terrence said, we're coming up on Prodigal uh, really quick will be our next uh, podcast coming up, which I'm kind of looking forward to. And I'm the same way that Terrence was. I haven't read it in about you know 20 some odd years, so I'm getting ready to crack that open and uh, start that back up. And it's kind of cool that Prodigal is getting reprinted a couple of different places uh, recently, so that'll be that'll be cool too. Uh, I'm up to uh, episode. Uh, I'm up to issue four, and it's better than i remembered as much as i liked it it's and some of it's nostalgia and some of it is just seeing uh dick grayson batman and tim drake together which is just awesome and i hate that it's a lot of that stuff's been retconned out yeah but um so so i know some of it's nostalgia but i'm i'm loving it and we're gonna have a hard time figuring out which issues to do because Mm. pretty much all the issues are very heavily tim drake you know, like Tim Drake's in everything. Like it's. Um, well, it, I, I was kind of planning on whether I keep this in the show or not. I was kind of planning on starting from the beginning of Prodigal and just and going through it, since it really does tie everything together. Um, I was kind of figuring we may do three issues here, three issues there, three issues there, because just picking out the Robin issues, I we're losing so much of the uh, the main body of the story if we don't cover everything. That's that's my take on it. And there's great Tim Drake stuff, like and stuff with his dad and everything. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, maybe if we go through the issues a little quicker, we can knock out like three an episode and uh, yeah, take so. take like three three um, episodes, three podcast episodes to do Prodigal, I guess. Yeah, I, I say I say let's do that. We'll just try to make better use of the time and go through. All right, so this is where we're going to end this episode. Thanks for indulging me. Any last uh, final comments you have before we uh, sign up for? This afternoon, I just say if your your current job doesn't pan out, you've got a gig in voice work and uh, audio narration. And if they ever bring cassettes back, your your name's first on the list to start recording them. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sad part is, there's probably a percentage of the listeners that are going cassette. They've said cassette five times. What is yeah. that? <laughs> back when I heard eight track, what's an eight track? And my dad's like, ah, oh, come here. <laughs> yeah, cassettes <laughs> the uh, '80s eight track. So, on the behalf of Terrence, this has been your narrator Rob signing off, saying we will see you on the next episode of Robin. Everyone loves a Drake, found at the Batman Universe dot net. <laughs> cool, cool. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the Batman Universe.net. 
Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.